Welcome in, Baylor Bears fans, to this spring game special episode of Please Bear With Me. As always, I'm your host, Travis Corley, and it feels like it has been a while since we spoke, since that Sugar Bowl win, since that historic 12-win season and Big 12 championship run, but now an opportunity to look forward to this year's team, the 2022-23 Baylor Bears, looking to go back-to-back as Big 12 champions. And today, I'm gonna cover that spring game, who emerged, who impressed me, we're going to talk about that quarterback battle and then what the starters might look like based on what we saw in the spring game. So here we go. Please bear with me. Welcome in again. I'm your host, Travis Corley, and it is so good to be back. I almost wasn't back because yesterday I came to record, you know, this week's episode, this spring spring special, found out that my dog had chewed on my microphone cord. So I uh, was out of commission yesterday. I tried to do it with the MacBook Pro uh, microphone, and it just does not sound the same as this. So got that cord replaced for you all for you. Such a quick turnaround. And it's just, it's all for you. So you can thank my dog bear, um, for, for the late posting of the podcast, but alas, here we are. We're finally here to talk about this spring game. Super excited to talk about what this 2022 and 20, yeah, 2022. I don't know why that's so hard to say. 23. Baylor Bears football team may look like and for those of you who didn't get out to the spring game it was pretty cool that it was uh, broadcasted there on ESPN plus so hopefully you got to watch there and if you haven't been able to watch it here here is your recap welcome welcome to the podcast and I had an absolute blast at the spring game the weather was fantastic I I believe it was cloudy pretty much the whole game not super hot I got to take my five five month old son out there for the first time, his first time at McLean. He did amazing, no crying, none of that. So it was just awesome to be out there. And the barbecue competition that went on, I mean, what a fun attraction. What a time to be out and about again at McLean Stadium. Shout out to friend of the podcast, Blake Blackmar for helping kind of put together that that competition and a pretty decent turnout from the fans. I, I would say better than it was last year. Maybe, you know, a Big 12 championship and 12 wins has something to do with that. Maybe it was just because it wasn't blazing hot. Um, probably a bit of both, okay? May, maybe a bit of both. So had a blast at the spring game. Was just fun to be back at McLean and, and watching the Bears out on the field Um, even though it was just kind of a a glorified scrimmage. But still, a great time to to check out the Bears and what the future may hold for this upcoming season as we try to uh, defend our Big 12 championship title. That is so fun to say. Um, Last time we won the Big 12 championship, uh, you know, our first one, 
we defended it. We won the very next year. So hopefully we can do that a second time and become back-to-back Big 12 champions. I think we have a great shot at doing that. I don't want to get too much into that, but hey, um, I do think we have a great shot to repeat as Big 12 champions. And it won't be a shared championship, okay? We've got that Big 12 championship game now. And uh, (laughs) as the Big 12 likes to put it, one true champion, which is now true, but um, in the years prior uh, was not so true. I wanted to start before we, we talk about the spring game. It's just like, what is the spring game and what the spring game isn't? Okay, so the spring game is not going to be an indicator of how good or bad a team is going to be. You know, no one walked away from the spring game last year and was like, oh yeah, this team, we're, we're winning the Big 12 championship, we're winning the Sugar Bowl, we're, we're getting a program record 12 wins, like, this team is amazing. Okay, no, nobody said that walking away from last year's spring game. This is a game where you're playing your base defense and your base offense. You are getting guys just time in a scrimmage used to the system. So there's no tricks. There's no gimmicks. There's no, uh, you know, tight end sweeps at the goal line for Ben Sims to get a rushing touchdown. You know, <laughs> nothing like that. It is all just your base offense and defense. And because look, you're not going to get into the game and start and get minutes if you don't know the base defense and base offense, okay? So, you know, this is not a game where you're going to be able to see how good or how bad your team is going to be. But what this game can do is it can be a good indicator of individual talent, of who has improved and who has not improved, and who may end up winning starting positions. I think those are three really good things that you can draw from the spring game. So like, for example, last year, I thought Zeno was, uh, he was going to be our starter. That was my bet. And he had an, an awful showing in the spring game. And Bohannon showed lots of improvement and played well. And, you know, so did Chapin. But, and, and as we saw, Bohannon became that starter. And I I don't think the spring game won him that job, but I think it was a good indicator of Zeno not improving and Bohannon improving. You also look at the offensive line. That was our biggest question mark last year. I think they showed improvement in that spring game last year. Um, They were average to above average. And look, they, they were for the season. I thought they were good, uh, sometimes great, you know, teetering on that good to great. And then talk about Abram Smith. Abram was the talk of the town after the spring game, and for good reason. And then he goes out there and he runs for 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns for us. Okay, and now hopefully is going to be drafted here on Thursday. I think he's got a good shot to kind of go in those later rounds. But I just want to go back to do not place too much emphasis on the spring game as far as how good or bad the overall team will be. So don't overreact to the spring game, but also don't underreact. Okay, it, it is a good way to see individuals, how individuals are performing and improving.
Who emerged? Let's talk about who I thought impressed me and kind of emerged as a starter on this team. And to be quite honest with you guys, like I said, the, the biggest question mark on this team for me is at wide receiver. And so that's kind of where most of my attention was during the entire game. I'm pretty certain and solid who's going to be there for us on the defensive end. I think we're going to be fine on defense. So most of my uh, most of what I watched was the receivers and was that quarterback battle. So, I mean, who impressed me the most in this game was probably Josh Cameron. Uh, number 34 at wide receiver is a redshirt freshman walk-on. Yes, he is a walk-on, and if he's not on scholarship, he needs to be. Um, from Cedar Park, he's 6'2 and 210. He's got good size, he's got long arms, he's got nice hands. Um, did not super impress me with his speed, but he has enough speed to be effective. And again, just some strong hands that he showed uh, throughout the game. A couple of catches come to mind. A short stop route. He had to make a full extension to the outside shoulder. Uh, he recovered and then actually got a few more, few more yards after that. He actually caught two touchdown passes back to back. One of them was called a no catch that he bobbled and would, would have loved to seen that. Um, on replay in a real game to see if it got overturned and see if he actually did bobble that. And then the, the touchdown catch right after, again, showing some strong hands with a contested catch just to fade um, to the back of the end zone and an excellent catch, uh, which actually happened to be on Tevin Williams, who I was also excited to see play. And Gavin Holmes also at wide receiver, number six, um, uh, a guy that's been with Baylor now for quite a while. He just looked huge. So what, that was one of my first impressions when I first got to the game and I saw everyone kind of warming up is he just looked big. And so I think he's going to play behind Baldwin. He's going to be a good fourth option in the slot if we ever go with four wide receivers. And so I, I was impressed with Gavin Holmes and just kind of his body and his build. And you, you think about Drew Estrada. Why did he play so much last year is because he was an excellent run blocker. And I think Gavin Holmes can come in and do that. I think he can be more effective than Baldwin would be at run blocking. But, you know, obviously Baldwin is, I would say, probably our best receiver at this point. So might be tough for Holmes to get time there. But um, I think the, the main way that he'll get time is by run blocking. And then Javon Gibson, uh, number 19 at wide receiver. I told you guys I was I was mainly watching the wide receivers. So I've got three guys that really impress me. Um all from the wide receiver group. Javon Gibson, number 19, uh, redshirt freshman from Richmond, 6'3", 205. And if you thought Josh Cameron was long, he this guy is long. Okay, he made a very good contested catch over two defenders. Um, also played on that green team. He didn't start, but he was on that second, uh, second uh, wave of players at the wide receiver position. So I think... We're likely going to see Josh Cameron start on the outside. We're definitely going to see Baldwin start. And then uh, that third kind of wide receiver spot is um, up for grabs to me. It really is. And outside of those wide receivers, no one else really emerged, if you will, for me. Everyone else kind of played where I thought they would play, um, did or was as good as I thought they would be. So no one else really a surprise or... Um, but I will say who else impressed me was Squirrel Williams, man. Just so amazing to see Squirrel out there again, healthy, looking like his, 
his own self, looking like his quick twitch, just get the ball and his shot out of a cannon. So that was probably what I was most excited about walking away from the game was the opportunity that Squirrel has in front of him and the opportunity that Grimes has to use him in the offense, how he's going to be used in the offense. So like I said, three three receivers there that kind of emerged and impressed me. And then of course, Squirrel Williams, man. He's, he's electric with the ball in his hands. I do not want to waste any more time. I want to get into this quarterback battle and give you my two cents. This is obviously anytime there's a quarterback battle like there was last year, that is going to be what everyone talks about. And for good reason, okay? That is, it's a big reason uh, that you're going to win or lose games outside of your offensive and defensive lines. So, Let's talk about that quarterback battle and Aranda. He, he came out after the game. He says he wants to name a starter this spring. He's going to review tape, have one-on-one -on -one conversations um, with the players, with coaches before making that decision. And honestly was a little bit surprised that he would do that. Because let's remember back to last year, he did not name a starter until the fall. So that's, those guys had all summer um, to still win that job. Um, that is not the case this year. And you may ask, why is he not waiting until the fall like he did last year? And this, my personal opinion, I have no fact to back this up whatsoever. This is uh, an opinion f flat just from my brain. I think he's making the decision now to give whoever doesn't win the job the opportunity to go and play elsewhere. He doesn't want this player to spend their summer or their fall at Baylor and, you know, maybe waste that time, maybe lose a year of eligibility hanging around until the fall and give that player an opportunity if they want to leave, to be able to leave and kind of start fresh over the summer and transfer out. That is personal opinion. I have no facts to back that up, but that is why I a part of the reason why I think he's going to name a starter by the end of the spring, which is coming up very soon, very soon. And if you had asked me the day after the Sugar Bowl, who was going to be Baylor's starter next season, it was Gary Bohannon. He's, he's the proven guy, the proven leader of the team. He's the hardest working guy on the team. We all know that. He was a little bit banged up in the bowl game. I think that hamstring was still affecting him, and I think it affected his play big time. So I don't really take into account the bowl game, but I do take into account leading up to the bowl game, everything that he had done prior to that. And so he did improve a lot game by game by game last year. He gives us that option as a runner. He does for sure. But the big thing missing from Bo Hannon's game is the, is the mid range. And I'm talking like 15 to 20 yard and then deep throw accuracy. That is the number one thing that was holding the offense back last year. I think not trusting his arm very much held this back a little bit last year. And for this offense to evolve into what Grimes wants it to be, we have to have a threat downfield. We have to be a threat downfield and we have to spread the field. Because 
given how good our offensive line is, people are going to key in on the run for sure. Especially after a year of having tape on the Baylor offense, they're going to key on the run. And we've got to be able to have a deep threat down the field to take some of that pressure off of the run game and off of the offensive line. So that was a big thing missing from the offense last year and a big thing that we need in this next season. And Chapin, yes, last year played well, but a small sample size, um, a little bit willy-nilly with some throws, maybe forcing it in a little too much. So I said, you know, sometimes Bohannon doesn't trust his arm. Um, as much as he should. Shapin's probably on the other end of that spectrum. He maybe trusts his arm a little bit too much. And the other thing about Shapin, not really any sustained drives, not really any super long drives. I think that defense playing so well for him um, in those two games really helped him. I mean, think back to the Big 12 championship, four interceptions. We had four interceptions and only, what was it, 21, 24 points, something like that. And we've got four interceptions. We need to be scoring in the 30s, in the high 30s, and, and into the 40s. So, yes, coming out of last year, Bohannon was the guy. I was leaning towards Bohannon until this spring game. And normally, you know, right now, it, it's a toss-up. It really is. I don't know who's, who it's going to be. And... Whichever way that we decide to go as a program, we're going to be fine. Both of these guys are great quarterbacks, and both of these guys can win games. They've proven that. But whatever gap you know was between Shapin and Bohannon, it got smaller in that spring game. It's gotten smaller this spring, I think. That, that is another opinion. Like, I really do think the gap has closed a little bit. And, and in Bohannon's spring game, I said before, what does the spring game do? It can show you maybe what players have improved and what players have not improved. And honestly, did not see a lot of improvement from Bohannon. And you know, he, he, did, he had limited snaps. That's fair. Did he get a chance really to throw the ball downfield? Eh, not really. So that's fair. Okay. But I saw hesitation. I saw not knowing where he wanted to go with the ball and sometimes not escaping the pocket quickly enough. That... That was a little bit of a problem last year, and, and I didn't see an improvement in there. And I saw inaccuracy. Uh, a, a short throw to Seth Jones on a rollout should have been a first down. An easy rollout throw. Throws it behind him. The ball's tipped, and it's returned for a pick six for the goal team. So, the inaccuracy there on a short throw, on a rollout. And so, the improvement from Bohannon, I'm not sure that I saw a ton of improvement. And that's not to say that he's not super good. He is good, but I just didn't see the improvement. I didn't. I wanted him to be more decisive. I wanted him to be more consistent with his accuracy, and he wasn't. And I was a little bit disappointed, but also <laughs> I'm saying I'm telling you don't overreact to the spring game, but also don't underreact. I'm not going to overreact to him not playing well, but I'm also not going to underreact to him not really showing any improvement. And you may think I'm teetering on the fence there. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. But hey, that's what I have to say. And in Shapin's spring game, I, I did not see hesitation. I saw quick decision making. I saw that he knew where he wanted to go with the ball every play, and he made quick decisions. I saw some more consistent accuracy in deep and intermediate throws than I did with Bohannon. Did he have a few bad throws, Shapin? Did he have a few bad throws? Probably. But not as many as Gary. Not as many. And the deep ball. 
the field is way bigger when Shapin is in the game. We can utilize more of the field. We can be more of a threat downfield. He, he threw a beautiful 50-yard touchdown to Baldwin in stride on the money. I mentioned Baldwin. He's probably our best receiver, so we've got to have a quarterback that can take advantage of that. We have to. That is what the offense is missing, and that is what we need. So who is Baylor's quarterback next year? I Honestly, if I knew that Aranda was not going to make a decision this spring, I would not put my foot in, in either player's camp. I would stay on the fence because uh, that's a sa safe place to be in the quarterback um, battle controversy, if you will. But, I, it, you know, if, if my foot is in one camp or another, my heart says Bohannon, but my gut says Shapin, and I always go with my gut. And there are a few other things that are leading me to this decision. And it's a question that I've been asking myself over and over and over. And it's what does Gary bring to the table that Shapin doesn't? And to me, it's leadership for sure. Okay, leadership for sure. And his experience and running ability. Okay, so experience, uh, maybe a little bit more experience than Shapin. I'm um, just purely from the number of games played. But you know what? Shapin's got experience too in some big games, okay? He started the Big 12 Championship. That's a huge game, huge game. So really the deciding factor between the two is, you know, Gary gives you the running ability, but Shapin gives you that arm. He gives you that deep threat and that, that spreading the field that, that I think we so desperately need. And thinking back to last year, why were we leaning towards Bohannon? Because we didn't know what we were going to get from the offensive line. We had absolutely no clue. We thought they were going to be as terrible as they were the year prior. And so all of us thought that we were going to need a playmaker in, uh, you know, behind them. We were going to need a playmaker at quarterback that when the play breaks down, he's able to scramble and get us yards and keep the drive going. That is one, like... That is a huge, huge factor in what led me to believe that Bohannon was going to be the starter last year. And hey, that's what ended up happening. But now that we've seen that we've got one of the better offensive lines in the Big 12, if not the best, we've got one of the best offensive line coaches uh, in the Big 12 and in the nation, in Mateos, that what the offense is missing, that deep threat, is what shaping presents. And that is why I am leaning more towards Shapin being the starter for the Baylor Bears next season. And then again, Aranda wants to name the starter this spring. If he names Gary the starter, there's a high possibility that Shapin is going to transfer. You know what? That's okay. But I think that possibility is pretty high. Gary's got one year left. If he starts, Shapin transfers out. Where does that leave us next year with a brand new starter again in drones? If he goes with Shapin, Shapin's got three years left. What could this offense look like with Shapin for three more years? That is exciting to me. I, I think that's exciting to the staff. And look, I, I think Shapin's going to give Baylor the better consistency with his arm, but also for the future. So 
Aranda making this decision now, I think it just opens the door for whoever doesn't win that job to go and play somewhere else. And maybe they don't. Maybe whoever loses the job sticks around, which would be great. There's no telling how, how these dominoes are going to fall, but I believe it's going to be shaping and hey, there it is. But I do want to be clear. We can win with either of these quarterbacks. We saw that last year. Both of these guys are great quarterbacks and can win us games. I believe either of these quarterbacks can win us a Big 12 championship. And whatever decision you personally think the team should make, whoever wins the job, both of these guys deserve your encouragement and your support. And even though I think it's going to be shaping, if Bohannon ends up being the starter and Shapin leaves, then I'm going to have no ill will towards anyone at all whatsoever. Everybody in this life should do whatever they think is best for themselves. I'm never going to, you know, knock someone for doing something that they think is is the best for their life. So, hey, if Bohannon's the starter, he's got my full support 100% and my encouragement, and I'm going to root him on until the end of the season and on. So I think we should all keep that in mind, regardless of your personal opinion towards either of these guys or towards a brand, whoever it is. Both of these guys deserve our support and this team deserves our support, our support, whatever happens. All right, so let's transition here into what the offense and defense is likely going to look like. And let's start with that offense, offensive line moving from left to right. Connor Galvin there at left tackle. Jeffrey, most Jeffrey started at left guard and then Gall at center, Miller at right guard and Khalil Keith at right tackle. I think four of those five positions are solidified starters. I think the only one in question there is most Jeffrey at left guard. Yes, he is huge. But you guys know I've been a huge fan and a huge, huge proponent of Mazuka at left guard and him and Jeffrey split time there in the spring game and that position is up for grabs I think either of those guys can win that position if I was a betting man I would say it's going to be Mazuka. I don't know why but I just liked what I saw out of Mazuka more than I did Jeffrey but we'll see we'll see how the position shakes out that's definitely the only one in question there at left guard at running back no really surprise who our two guys are going to be. It's going to be McWilliams and it's going to be Squirrel. And both of these guys looked very, very good. McWilliams is going to carry the load, I would say. And by the end of the year, I'd put my money on McWilliams having more carries than any other running back. Squirrel is easily our most dynamic playmaker on offense. We've got to find a way to get him touches. So, what is the offense going to look like? Is it going to be a, like it was last year when Smith gets about 20 to 25 and then Ebner gets about 10 to 15, or is it going to be more even? Is each of these guys going to get 15 to 20 carries a game? I don't know. I certainly would like to see Squirrel be able to get at least 15 carries a game, but I don't know how his body's going to hold up. I really don't. I think that's a serious question. He's a little bit smaller of a guy, and he likes to run between the tackles. He likes to be physical, even though he's a little bit smaller of a guy. But just 
oh, we've got to find a way to get this guy the ball because he is so electric. He is just, as soon as he touches the ball, he, he really does have good vision. Like, he almost knows exactly where to go as soon as he touches the ball. He had two touchdown runs in that in the spring game. So, McWilliams is going to be more of that bruiser, carry the load, um, heavier Abram Smith-type runner. And Squirrel, I mean, just lightning out of a bottle. Lightning out of a bottle. Not sure who the third back is going to be. I know Jordan Jenkins started for the gold team. Fleeks had moved over to running back from wide receiver and also got some carries for the gold team. So not sure who the third back is going to be or how much a third back will be utilized in the offense. And now at wide receiver, I talked about some of these guys earlier that emerged. Uh, safe to assume Baldwin is going to be starting in the slot. Like I, I've said it multiple times, I think Baldwin is our best receiver, wide receiver at this point. And then Seth Jones, Josh Cameron were the starters on the outside. So, you know, just going to give them the nod here. Uh, Holmes got some time. Uh, like I said, he looked huge. Um, and then Gibson. Gibson also got some time with the ones. We could see him emerge more over the summer and the fall um, and take over that spot in front of Seth Jones. Um, so we'll see how it shakes out. I think we have a lot of guys that are kind of neck and neck and... Uh, you know, other than Baldwin, but it feels like a deep room, but not experience wise. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. And I don't think we need, you know, four five amazing, just wide receivers that are going to go out there and get us yards uh, for the season. Okay. We've got, remember, we've got Ben Sims and Drake Dabney, two of the better tight ends in the entire conference and who are likely going to be on the field a lot at the same time. So the amount of times we're going to have three receivers on the field might even not be that much. So we just need kind of uh, outside of Baldwin, we need uh, one other guy to really pop and really just kind of be a solid, um, a solid receiver for someone we can count on on the outside. Um, hopefully that's going to be Cameron. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. And then tight end <laughs> Sims and Dabney, Sims and Dabney, man, they're, they're, they're a dynamic duo at the tight end position. I think Sims is going to have an absolute monster of a year. I think Sims has an opportunity to lead us in receptions and in touchdown receptions. Sims, outside of, uh, Squirrel Williams, Sims may, may end up being kind of our, our, uh, our second best playmaker on that offense. And then at quarterback, it's a toss up. We don't know if it's going to be Bohannon or Shapin. Both guys split time in the spring game. As you guys know, I'm in the camp that I think Shapin's going to be our starter. But either way, I think we're in good shape at the quarterback position. And Kyron Drones, uh, our third string, looked athletic. He looked bigger. He looked like he's adjusted to college. He looks like he has a college football type body now. Um, looks like he, he's matured into that position. So we'll see how the dominoes fall with whoever is named the starter at quarterback, but just know that whoever's named quarterback, we are in very good hands. Switching over to that defense. What is our defense going to look like? I think we're going to be fine. You know, we're losing probably four draft picks from the defense, which is kind of insane to think. Um, and yet, I think we're going to be okay. 
we get every single player essentially back on that defensive line. Um, Ika, Hall, Maxwell were the starters there. Um, I've heard a few people say that Gabe Hall is maybe the best player on our defense, which is pretty insane to say, seeing that we've got Ika and we've got Doyle on that defense as well. And we are incredibly deep at this position. Outside of, of those three guys, we've got Ogunaya, Landry, Utley. We added Jackson Player um, from Tulsa, a transfer. The expectation was for him to move around from de defensive tackle to defensive end. He did not play any defensive end in the spring game that I can remember of. So he played defensive tackle, and that's pretty exciting to think of a defense where both of those guys could get on the field at the same time potentially, but also switching him and Ika out and kind of splitting time. We don't want Ika and player to be playing 50 to 60 snaps a game. If we could split time with them and not have a drop off there at defensive tackle, that's going to be really, really hard for offensive lines to sustain blocking for an entire 60 minute game. So I'm very, I'm very excited about what the defensive line is going to do. This could be the type of defensive line we saw um, in 2019 with Matt Rule. With uh, oh my gosh, why can't I think of their names? J with with Lynch. With uh, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed that I that I can't remember Lockhart and uh, I know his name, and now I can't think of it. And now I'm embarrassed. So. Yeah, if you think of his name, I'm probably going to think of his name later in this podcast, but if you think of his name, and I haven't, um, please. Uh, Bravey and Roy, there we go. I knew I was going to come up with it. So this could be a defensive line um, that we saw like in 2019 where they just absolutely dominated every game. And some sometimes we were only able to, only had to send three guys and we were still able to get to the quarterback. So yeah, we're losing a, a excellent pass rush with Bernard and Petrie and sending one of those guys pretty much every down, but I think we're going to be just fine with the players we've got. And then we, we, we've got some pretty good um, rushers at linebacker, but man, this defensive line is stacked. Probably going to be um, the best defensive line here in the Big 12. So let's talk about linebackers. We're, we're going to see Doyle there at, at, um, at linebacker in the middle. And then Will Williams is who got the start also in the middle next to Doyle, taking over that spot for Terrell Bernard. He's not going to be a Terrell Bernard, but still a very, very good prospect. I think that position is definitely up for grabs. He is super athletic, for sure. Super athletic, 6'2", 215, redshirt junior. Um, but we have a four-star recruit um, from the 2020 class, Josh White, coming from LSU, transferring to Baylor. He's not on campus yet. I believe it will be either of these guys, and that is a position battle to look for on this defense. And at the Jack linebacker, we saw Anwanyu start. Um, did not see Matt Jones play in the spring game. So I think Jones is likely going to be the starter there. Remember, we've also got uh, Garmin Randolph, our pass rusher, out of the Jack position. Um, and now we've got Anwanyu, um, who's come along. So... The Jack position, uh, 
it was a position that we subbed in a lot of different guys at last year, and that may be the case this year, just depending on the offensive matchup, what type of offense the offense the other team is running, um, and what type of defense uh, defensive strategy we have going into the game. So Jack will be interesting to watch, but I do think Matt Jones is going to be that starter there. And then at the star position, taking Jalen Petrie's t- d- uh, position, the Rando Johnson, a.k.a. Snacks. And he is going to take all of the offenses, all of the offenses snacks next year. I am super excited about what he's going to bring to us this next year, um, playing full time in that position. We saw a little bit of what he can bring to the table in the Sugar Bowl against Ole Miss, and now he's going to step up into that star position, into that position that. Every Aranda defense is known for. We've got a guy that may even go in the first round here on Thursday and Jalen Petrie from that position. And, I mean, very excited about what Snacks can bring to the table. I also saw Christian Morgan got a little bit of time at the star position. He did not start at safety for the game. I don't know if he's a little bit banged up. Maybe they were limiting his snaps or if he's been demoted. I don't know about Christian Morgan. But he got time at the star. He got time at safety. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where we fit Christian Morgan in. If I was a betting man, I would say he he starts back there at safety like he did for us last year. Cornerback, uh, Walcott, he obviously is going to be a starter. Made the huge pick six for us in the Sugar Bowl and is excellent an excellent cornerback for us and it will be for us this coming year. We saw Mark Milton also start in that in that game, but I think that's another position that's that's up for grabs that is a uh, a competition to watch for. Um, we saw Reggie Bush get some time with the ones. I've been high on Tevin Williams. I think he might get an opportunity to move up and to get some playing time there at cornerback. It may be a deal uh, like last year where Tejada was kind of the starter and then we kind of moved guys around, and a lot of different guys got time. And by the by the end of the year, someone else was starting in front of Tejada. So it may be something like that where we just kind of feel out the position and see who the best fit is. And it may take you know three or four, maybe even seven or eight games. But um, you know, trust that we're going to find that right fit there at cornerback, but also that we can filter in three or four different guys and be okay. But Walcott, Walcott's the the number one quarter cornerback there. Um, and to kind of taken over for for Kalen Barnes, and then at safety, uh, Devin Neal and Devin Lemire, the Devins, they started the spring game at safety. Like I said, I think Christian Morgan is going to get time at safety too. It'll be interesting to see kind of who we start back there. Um, we saw a little bit of Lemire in the Sugar Bowl as well. I mean, a lot of these uh, young guys got some pretty good time in that Sugar Bowl, which I think is excellent, excellent experience. I mean, it's it's hard to get big game experience like that. And then we we got it with Devin Lemire. We got it with Snacks, um, that big game experience. So maybe Morgan was banged up. Uh, he did play a little bit. I didn't see him out there to start, so I, I assumed he wasn't going to play in the spring game. Then I saw him run out, and I just I don't know really what's going on with, uh, with Christian Morgan. But I do think he's going to be an integral part. Integral? Yeah, in, integral He's going to be an important part of the defense wherever he ends up playing. And like, hey, if uh, if Neil or Lemire gets hurt, then we've got a third guy to, to step in there and, and be the guy. Or uh, if Snacks gets hurt, okay, well now let's just shift Morgan to the star 
And now we've got Neal and Lemire there at safety. So it will be definitely a fun defense to watch. That defensive line, I think, is going to be um, as dominant as that 2019 or get close. We've got some, oh man, we are deep and we are very good at defensive line. And of course, with Aranda, with Ron Roberts, you can you can almost always count on us just cycling in new guys and there not being a drop-off and that defense being elite, elite. And if the offense can come right behind it and in the second year of this offense, figure things out, be a little bit more consistent with stretching the field and finishing drives, we have an excellent opportunity to go back-to-back and win this Big 12. Well, thanks for sticking with me for 40 minutes of your life and listening to me talk. Again, had a great time at the spring game. Excited for what next year is going to hold. And uh, hey, we'll see how the quarterback battle shakes out. Either way, we're going to be fine. Sigum Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley, in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.